The story of the Sikhs continues as the fifth guru, Arjun, completes what will be his crowning achievement. This is co-producer Erica Wong, welcoming you to join us on this fascinating journey. August 16th, 1604. There is a joyous gathering by the tank of Ramsar in the town of Ramdaspur. Guru Arjan presides, beaming. It is a most blessed day. A great endeavor has been completed. The poet Santok Singh sets the scene. Punnishri Gurbat Divan Lagyo. Gan sikhya pikhe man prem pagyo, sab beech suhavit granth dharyo, kar sevak sundar chor firyo. Gar shri gur ke sikh pavat hain, bahu bhatan phool chadhavat hain. Shub maal so phool bisal laye, gur granth samip chadha daye. Bahu dhup so aag dhukhavat hain, ghas chandan kesar pavat hain. Charchen archen sikh preet dharay, गन संख बजावत फूक भरे अरदास प्रसादन वृंद करे जयकार सबै एक बार रे कर धार रबाब सतार बजे सबदान सो गाए सो राग सजे हिज कोर्ट द गुरु प्रिसाइड्स अबव हिज सिक्स जॉयस आर ड्रेंच्ड इन लव इन द मिड्स्ट ग्लोरियस द होली बुक रेवरेंटली सिक्स सर्व एंड लुक फ्लावर्स गार्लैंड द गुरुज नेक Gorgeous blooms the court do deck, the choicest blooms the guru took, laid them before the holy book. Censers fragrance smell so good, saffron showers sandalwood, devotion such the six do show, lustily they conch shells blow. As one then all the faithful pray, jubilant cries, O joyous day, Rabab sitars the faithful bring, Hymns and many melodies sing. It is a profoundly important moment in the history of the faith that Guru Nanak had founded just a hundred years earlier. The Sikhs now have their own scripture, the Guru Granth Sahib. The joyous celebration continues. Arjun had made an important decision. He had already built the Harmandar Sahib, the Golden Temple, which had started to draw the faithful from far and near. The town of Ramdaspur, which would be known as Amritsar, was flourishing as more and more Sikhs decided to settle there, driven by a desire to be near the Guru and the Harmandar Sahib. The faith of Guru Nanak was flourishing. Communities of Sikhs were everywhere. Taramsals, Sikh places of worship, abounded, and the bounty of the Langar, the community kitchen founded by Guru Nanak, was enjoyed by all. Guru Arjan then decided to embark on an ambitious project. 
he would collect the writings of the gurus who preceded him, add his own compositions, and compile them into a holy book, which would provide guidance to Sikhs for generations to come. It was important that the words of the gurus be preserved and transmitted as they had been spoken, with no alteration or embellishment. Guru Arjan's older brother, Prithi Chand, continued to oppose him bitterly. He had never accepted Guru Arjan's ascension and continued to harbor hopes that his son Meherban would somehow become the next guru. Frustrated by his failed attempts to wrest the guruship from Guru Arjan, Prithi Chand had come up with a novel way to dupe the faithful. He started composing religious hymns of his own and tried to pass them off as the compositions of Guru Nanak and the other gurus that followed. It was important for the Sikhs to have an unimpeachable and genuine scripture that contained the real writings of the gurus, for they were the pure manifestation of their philosophy and worldview. Not having such a scripture would open the door to Prithi Chand and the other pretenders to follow in the future to lead the faithful astray and dilute the noble message of the gurus. Guru Nanak had given all his compositions to Guru Angad, who had carefully preserved them and passed them on to Guru Amardas, along with his own compositions. According to popular Sikh tradition, Guru Amardas had directed one of his grandsons, Sansaram, to compile the compositions of his predecessors as well as his own into a book, which became known as the Goindwal Poti or Tome. The Goindwal Poti had been given to Baba Mohan, the son of Guru Amardas, for safekeeping. This was, of course, an invaluable treasure, and it was tremendously important for Guru Arjan to acquire the writings as work began on the compilation of the Guru Granth Sahib. We turn again to the noted writer Pai Veer Singh, who describes what happened next in his work, Jeevan Prasang Sri Guru Arjan Dev Sahib. The beginning was the acquisition of the Goindwal Potis. Pai Gurdas agreed to be drafted for the task and left for Goindwal as instructed by the Guru. He arrived there late in the afternoon and after bathing in the Bauli, the sacred tank of Goindwal, he arrived at Baba Mohan's home. Seeing the door shut, he sat outside and addressed Baba Mohan, who was in a yogic trance. Bhai Gurdas sat there the entire night, entreating Baba Mohan, but the door did not open. Utterly disappointed, he returned to Ramdaspur and recounted what had transpired to the Guru. Baba Buddha, the venerable old Sikh who had been serving the Guru since the time of Guru Nanak, volunteered to make an attempt to retrieve the compositions. He traveled to Goindwal and after bathing in the Bauli, presented himself at Baba Mohan's house. The door remained firmly shut. He too beseeched Baba Mohan to open the door and knocked on it vigorously but received no response. Being a man of action, Baba Buddha shook the door so hard that the fulcrum it pivoted on moved. He removed a few bricks and extracted the fulcrum, allowing him to open the door. Pai Veer Singh turns to the poet Santok Singh 
to describe what Baba Buddha saw. Sri Mohan Baithe Jahan Padmasana Dhari Lagi Samad Akhand Ras Neh De Sambhari Kaasht Ker Saman Drid Rij Hwe Hai Baisa Achal Ang Sagre Kare Thit Kaasht Jaisa In lotus form silently Mohan sits Overpowers deep trance the sage's wits Like a log of wood his body seems to be unmoving limbs like of a hardened tree. Baba Mohan's brother, Baba Mori, upon hearing the commotion, came running and scolded Baba Buddha. Why do you bother him so? He is lost in his trance and doesn't care about anyone, high or low. He refuses to look upon anyone. He doesn't talk to anyone. He chooses to remain like this. He barely emerges from his trance to eat. Baba Buddha, upon hearing Baba Mori's words, decided that it would be unwise to disturb Baba Mohan while he was in his trance and quietly returned to Ram Daspur. Guru Arjan decided to take matters in his own hands and he left for Goindwal. Getting the writings of the first three Gurus was absolutely critical if the Guru Granth Sahib was to be compiled. He bathed in the Bauli and sat contemplatively for a while. It is said that he had a vision of Guru Amardas, who assured him that he would succeed in his endeavor even if he had to endure some harsh words. The Guru walked barefoot in the street, leading to Baba Mohan's home. In one hand, he carried a tambura, a musical instrument used to provide a drone, essential for vocal music. He sat down on the rough ground before Baba Mohan's door, waving away the sheets and rugs offered by the faithful. He started to strum the tambura and began to sing. Mohan tere uche mandar mehal apara, Mohan tere sohan dwar ji jant sant dharam sala, dharam sal apar dayar thakur sada kirtan gavahe, jay saad sant ikatr hove taha tujhe dhyavahe, kar daya maya dayal swami ho deen kripara, bin vant nanak daras piyase mil darsan sukh sara. Lofty is your temple, Mohan, your mansion unsurpassed. Beautiful your portals, worshipful saints are massed. Incomparable your house of worship, his glory do they sing. The holy saints there gather, reverence for you they bring. O Lord, be kind, merciful, your supplicants are meek. These thirsty eyes, O Nanak, your blessed vision seek. Baba Mohan's trance, which had remained unbroken through the entreaties of Bhai Gurdas and the commotion created by Baba Buddha, was pierced by Guru Arjan's melodious singing. He opened his eyes, looked out of a chink, and beheld Guru Arjan sitting in the street. 
harsh words poured out of his mouth. First, you took what belonged to us, that which conferred honor and greatness upon our clan. He was, of course, referring to the passing of the Guruship from his father, Guru Amar Das, to Guru Ram Das, Guru Arjan's father, rather than to him or his brother. But then his tone softened a bit. He conceded that the Guruship had been won through humble service and acknowledged Guru Arjan's greatness. Unperturbed, Guru Arjan continued to sing and the strings of his tambura sounded as sweet as ever. Mohan tere bachan anoop chal nirali Mohan tu mane ek ji avar sabrali Mane tu ek alek thakur jine sab kal dhariya Tud bachan gur ke vas kiya ad purakh banwariya तू आप चलया आप रहया आप सब कल धारिया बिनवंत नानक पैज राखो सब सेवक सरण तुमारिया मोहन योर स्पीच अनराइवल्ड वंडरस आर योर वेज टू मोहन यू सीक नन बट द वन ऑल एल्स इज डस्ट टू यू मिस्टीरियस लॉर्ड यू लव सेव नन हिज माइट सस्टेन्स अस ऑल through holy words you won his heart the world is in his thrall unmoving you are and astir the world is in your hands my lord with you my honor lies your slave before you stands the sweetness and beauty of the melody the nobility of the guru's sentiments and the realization of the respect that he was being accorded melted baba mohan's heart he left his chamber and walked downstairs to welcome guru arjan the guru smiled happily and sang a third verse mohan tud satsangat dhyave daras dhyana mohan jam need na aave tud jape nidana jam kal tin ko lage nahi jo ik man dhyavhe man bachan karam je tud aradhe से सभे फल पावे मल मूत मूड जे मुगद होते से देख दरस सुज्ञाना बिन वंत नानक राज नहचल पूर्ण पुरख भगवाना मोहन द कांग्रेगेंस सीक यू योर विजन दे डिजायर द वंस दैट हैव यू इन देयर थॉट्स इवन एस्केप द बायर अनटच्ड बाय द एंजल मकाब थॉट्स ऑफ यू कीप देम सेफ योर लव एंड adoration such bounty surely gave the lowly foolish and defiled finds wisdom as your ward eternal is your kingdom nanak o perfect primal lord the guru sang his eyes closed in a flash baba mohan realized the depth of the guru's devotion and the extent to which he was imbued in the love of the almighty He hastened to fetch the Govindwal poti and placed it before Guru Arjan saluting him humbly. Guru Arjan picked up his tambura and sang again completing the hymn. Mohan tu suful phalaya san parvaro Mohan putra meet bhai kutumb sab taro Tareya jahan lehya abhiman jini darshan paya jini tudnu dhan kahya तिन जम नेड़ न आया 
बेअंत गुण तेरे कथे न जाही सतगुर पुरख मुरारे बिन वंत नानक टेक राखी जित लग तरिया संसारे ब्लसड मोहन यू ब्लॉसम योर क्लैनड ब्लॉसम्स टू योर फ्रेंड्स ब्रदर एंड चिल्ड्रन दे आर एज ब्लेस्ड एज यू bereft of pride they will be saved the ones that you behold the ones that you call blessed their deaths are not foretold innumerable your virtues o lord i am in your thrall says nanak lord you are my anchor protector of us all Guru Arjan returned to Ramdaspur to begin the work on compiling the scripture. First, he had to find a suitable place where the work could be done. To the southeast of the Harmandar Sahib lay a beautiful wooded tract of land. The Guru ordered that it be improved. Gardeners were employed to lay down lawns, and many flowering shrubs and bushes were planted. A parcel of low-lying land where rainwater would collect was dug up and a beautiful pool was created which would be known as ramsar tents were pitched by the side of the pool and equipped with storage chests desks stools ink and paper bai gurdas was summoned and appointed guru arjan's scribe as the guru wished to focus his energies completely on the project baba budda was appointed to look after the harmandar sahib minister to the Sikhs and ensure that the pilgrims who continued to flock to the city and the temple were taken care of thus freed from his day-to-day responsibilities the guru applied himself to the task before him at the peaceful enclave of ramsar following in the footsteps of the gurus who preceded him guru arjan used a central organizing principle for the hymns in the scripture that he was compiling the age old rags which have underpinned the music of the indian subcontinent for thousands of years here a digression is in order to understand the notion of rags on a personal note it is a particularly pleasant digression because of my fondness for gurmit sangeet sikh sacred music and shastriya sangeet or indian classical music i will now turn to two well-known musicologists to kick off this digression here is a definition by dr nazir ali jaraz boy from his book the rags of north indian classical music The term rag has no counterpart in western musical theory. The concept of rag is based on the idea that certain characteristic patterns of notes evoke a heightened state of emotion. 
These patterns of notes are a fusion of scalar and melodic elements, and each rag can be described in terms of its ascending and descending lines, as well as its characteristic melodic figures in which certain intervals are emphasized and attention is focused on particular notes. More than 200 rags are extant, and each is a melodic basis for composition and improvisation. Most of the rags have been in existence for several centuries and have evolved to their present form as a result of successive interpretations by generations of musicians. And here is a second definition by French musicologist Alain Danielou. That which charms is the rag. Indian music, like Arabian and Persian, always centers around one particular emotion which it develops, explains and cultivates, upon which it insists and which it exalts until an impression is created on the listener which is almost impossible to resist. The musician can then, if his skill be sufficient, lead his audience through the magic of sound to a depth and intensity of feeling undreamt of in other systems. The notes which are to convey particular emotions and ideas must be carefully selected and then grouped to form a rag. If this sounds horribly abstract to some of you listeners, I would like to assure you that you are not alone. Sadly, this is the nature of the beast. The best way to truly understand the concept of a rag is to listen, a lot. There are elements in both definitions that I particularly like. Both definitions focus on the emotion that each rag creates. This is fundamentally important. Each rag can give rise to an infinite number of compositions that conform to the melodic patterns and rules that define it. Almost magically, all these diverse compositions, if well executed and conformant to the rules of the underlying rag, will always produce similar emotions. This is something that simply cannot be explained with words. It has to be experienced. As an aside, all the music used in this podcast, whether it be instrumental or vocal, is rag-based. purposes of our discussion, we can somewhat simplistically think of rags as sets of musical rules that define the characteristics of a family of melodies. They do have a profound ability to evoke powerful emotions. The gurus recognize that and use them as instruments for delivering their message in the form of hymns that they composed. The gurus, starting with Guru Nanak, had picked specific rags for particular hymns. 
Singing had been the most important form of Sikh congregational worship right from the times of Guru Nanak when the minstrel Pai Mardana was his constant companion. The very rags that the hymns had been composed in were employed in the singing, thus giving them an important place in everyday religious practice. Guru Arjan came up with a very specific structure for the scripture, which he based on the rags that the hymns of his predecessors and his own were composed in. But before we talk about the structure, it is important to understand another aspect of the Guru Granth Sahib, which makes it completely unique among the holy books of various faiths. It was, of course, logical and inevitable that the writings of Guru Nanak, Guru Angad, Guru Amardas, Guru Ramdas, and Guru Arjun be included in the new scripture. In an act of breathtaking Catholicism, Guru Arjun decided to do something that would forever mark the scripture as the epitome of egalitarianism. We have already talked about the rigid distinctions of caste that Guru Nanak rejected and fought. From time immemorial, all the sacred texts in the Hindu context had been the preserve of the elite, the high-caste Brahmins. However, over the centuries, Hindu holy men, often drawn from the lowest castes and chafing at the oppressiveness of the caste hierarchy, would give vent to their feelings by composing devotional poetry. They were collectively known as the Bhaktas or Bhagats, and they emphasized a deeply personal spiritual connection to the divine. Guru Arjun saw that there was great philosophical congruence between some of the writings of the Bhagats and the Gurus. He decided to incorporate the hymns of several of the Bhagats into the scripture. And then he went even further. Despite the fact that they formed the ruling class, Muslims had always been reviled by upper-caste Hindus as the malach or impure. Finding similar philosophical resonance in the writings of the Muslim Sufis, Guru Arjan decided to incorporate their writings in the scripture as well. Some of the most prominent Pagats and Sufis, whose work appears in the Guru Granth Sahib, are Kabir, Namdev, Ravadas, and Sheikh Farid. Panegyrics, written by some of the bards that had adorned the courts of the Gurus, were added as well, and the writings of some humble Sikhs. The result was a holy book, the likes of which the world had never seen before. One of the goals of Guru Arjan was to codify the daily prayer regimen of his followers and the new scripture would do just that. The Guru Granth Sahib opened with the Mool Mantra of Guru Nanak, which we have already encountered in the very first episode of the podcast. The Mool Mantra was a powerful and succinct articulation of the attributes of the divine and completely encapsulated the theology of Sikhism. In the Guru Granth Sahib, it served as a prologue to the very first composition in the holy book, Guru Nanak's Jap, 
which was the morning prayer of the Sikhs. The second composition was the Sodar, and the next the Sopurak, which constituted the evening prayer of the Sikhs called the Rehras. The next composition was the Sohila, which we have encountered before as well, the prayer that was recited at the time of Guru Nanak's passing and served as the nighttime prayer for Sikhs. After these initial compositions, the bulk of the Guru Granth Sahib was divided into 30 sections, each corresponding to a rag. Later on, in the time of the 10th Guru, the scripture would be extended to add the 31st rag. Guru Arjan adopted a very consistent pattern through all the rag-based sections of the scripture. Each section started with the shortest hymns, which were followed by longer verse forms known as Ashtpadis and Chants. Each of these subsections were once again organized by Guru in chronological order. Guru Nanak came first, and he was followed by Guru Amardas, Guru Ramdas, and Guru Arjan. Guru Angad had left no hymns. His short compositions, known as shloks, appeared in different sections that we will get to. Under each rag, the compositions of the Gurus were followed by those of the Hindu and Muslim saints, whose writings had been chosen by Guru Arjan. In addition to these verse forms, the Guru Granth Sahib contained 22 vars or ballads, of which 21 had been composed by the Gurus, and the 22nd by the bards Satta and Balwand, who we met in the fourth episode of the podcast. The 21 ballads by the Gurus had attached to them shlokes or short hymns of the first five Gurus, including Guru Angad. It is worth mentioning here that all the Gurus signed their name as Nanak in their hymns. This was a profound reiteration of their unity of thought and the one divine inspiration that flowed through each of them. As a practical matter, Guru Arjan used the word Mahalla followed by a numeral as part of the title of each hymn. Thus, Mahalla 1 would refer to Guru Nanak, and Mahalla 5 would refer to Guru Arjan, even though hymns by both would be signed Nanak. This was a simple but elegant way of indicating authorship while continuing to emphasize the unity of thought. The rag-based sections of the scripture were followed by collections of shlokes by the various Gurus and Hindu and Muslim saints, a few hymns by the Gurus that were not placed under any preceding sections, and the panegyrics to the Gurus written by eleven bards. These were followed by shlokes by Guru Nanak, Guru Amardas, Guru Ramdas, and Guru Arjan, which had not been incorporated into the vars or ballads. Once again, in the time of the tenth Guru, several shlokes written by the ninth Guru were to be incorporated into the scripture. The final two compositions were by Guru Arjan, the Mundavni, 
that served as the final seal, followed by a shlok of thanksgiving. The very last portion was a musical composition called the Ragmala, which enumerated various rags and their interrelationships. A monumental task had been completed. The authentic writings of the Sikh Gurus had been enshrined in the scripture, and the genius of Guru Arjun's structure and organization had ensured that it would be impossible to tamper with. The wisdom of the Gurus was secured for posterity, and it was to become an everlasting beacon that continues to illuminate the ethos of Sikhism to this day. Mundamani Mahalla Panjava Talvecha Tenne Vastu Payo Sata Santok Vicharo Amritanamo Thakurka Payo Jiska Sabasa Adaro Jeko Kave Jeko Punchai Tuskahoe Odaro Ehe Vastu Tari Nehejai Netanetarak Uretaro Tamasansaru Charna Lagatariya Sabananak Brahma Pasaro Salok Mahalla Panjava तेरा कीता जातो नाही मैनु जोग कीतोई मैं निर्गुण यारे को गुण नाही आपे तरस पयोई तरस पया मेहरामत होई सद्गुर सज्जन मिलया नानक नाम मिलै ता जीवा तन मन थीवै हरया थ्री थिंग्स ऑन अ सल्वर लाई कंटेंटमेंट ट्रुथ रिफ्लेक्शन आई गॉड्स स्वीट नेम देयर टू यू फाइंड स्कैफोल्डिंग ऑफ ऑल मैनकाइंड Eat and relish all you have craved, verily you shall be saved. From it never shall you part, hold it ever close to your heart. You will be saved in his embrace, for truly all is his own grace. Oblivious of your kindness I, and yet you bless me honor high, of virtues all I am bereft. but still you had compassion left you were to me merciful kind my friend my guru i did find o nanak in your name enmeshed my soul and body are refreshed It is important to reiterate the significance of the rags that were used by the gurus when they composed and sang their hymns. The musicology of the Guru Granth Sahib and the nuances of Gurmat Sangeet, Sikh sacred music, deserve much more detailed treatment and will be addressed in a subsequent series of podcasts. Rags have preceded Gurmat Sangeet by thousands of years. and have been employed in spiritual practice forever in the indian subcontinent the chanting of hymns to early forms of rags can be traced back to the vedic period which is generally accepted as spanning the years 1500 to 600 bce texts dating from the years 500 bce to the 4th century ad reference the use of rag like musical structures and rags The tradition of assigning religious poetry to rags can be traced back to the Buddhist Siddha Acharyas 
of the Vajrayana and the Sahajayana schools of the 10th and 11th centuries, the 12th century poet Jayadev, two of whose hymns appear in the Guru Granth Sahib, also set his poetry to rags. Gurmit Sangeet has many elements that place it squarely within the context of the traditional classical music of the Indian subcontinent, but despite the shared underpinnings, it has many unique aspects that differentiate it. All of these points of differentiation are comprehended and documented in the Guru Granth Sahib. Guru Nanak traveled extensively and was exposed to the music of many regions and peoples. In addition to rags that are common in Indian classical music, the Guru Granth Sahib includes original rags that were created by the Sikh Gurus that have no equivalence in other musical systems. Examples of these are Rag Maj and Rag Tukhari, which were employed by the Gurus for their compositions. The qualifier Dakhani or Southern appears with the Rag title of several hymns in the Guru Granth Sahib. The musical systems of northern India and southern India are quite distinct, and it should be remembered that Guru Nanak toured the south extensively during his travels. A reference was made earlier to the vars or ballads that appear in the Guru Granth Sahib. Several of these ballads have the names of prescribed tunes attached to them. As an example, the Guru Granth Sahib directs Asa Kivar, the ballad of Rag Asa, to be sung using a tune called Tunde Asraje Ki Toni. This was a very popular ballad about the trials and tribulations of the paraplegic king Us that was sung often by itinerant bards. The folk tune that the ballad was sung in was thus very popular and widely known. Prescribing this popular tune made it very easy for the faithful to sing along when the ballad of Asa was sung. In this manner, the Guru Granth Sahib was very effectively able to blend folk music into what used to be a formal classical form, making the practice of Gurmat Sangeet very accessible to everyone. The Guru Granth Sahib included other musical innovations. Some of the compositions of Guru Ramdas and Guru Arjun have the qualifier Partal attached to their titles. Upon close examination, one can see that these hymns are quite unique in that the meter of various stanzas is different. The singing of these hymns requires the changing of the underlying rhythmic structure of the composition as each successive stanza is sung. The Guru Granth Sahib in addition to clarifying the daily regimen of prayer for Sikhs and providing an unimpeachable source for the wisdom of the Gurus and the Bhagats, also enriched and preserved the congregational singing of hymns, which was started by Guru Nanak himself and continues to be the primary form of worships for Sikhs to this day. <laughs> Ah, I don't
Guru Arjan decided that the new scripture would be given pride of place at the Harmandar Sahib, and there it was installed with much joy. The venerable Baba Buddha was appointed the custodian of the holy book. The old man, who had served the Sikh faith his entire life, was accorded the singular honor of caring for the scripture and reading from it to the delight of the faithful. Of course, not everyone was ecstatic. Prithi Chand, the Guru's estranged brother, burned with envy as the faithful flocked to Ram Daspur to congratulate Guru Arjan for his accomplishment and to behold the holy book with their own eyes. He recruited a group of Qazis, Muslim magistrates of the Sharia courts, as well as Brahmins, and induced them to complain to the Emperor Akbar about Guru Arjan. The complaint alleged that Guru Arjan had compiled a book which disrespected the Prophet, Islamic leaders, Hindu priests, and gods. The Emperor was touring the Punjab at the time, and the complaint was placed before him by Chandu Shah, a wealthy banker and revenue official who served the Mughal court, who had become a bitter enemy of Guru Arjun. Chandu Shah swore to the emperor that the charges were based on facts and worthy of being investigated. The emperor summoned the guru to appear before him, who sent Baba Buddha and Pai Gurdas to represent him. The first hymn that was read to the emperor was a composition of Guru Arjun's in Rag Tilang, written in Persian. Khaak noor kardang alam duniyaye, asman jimi drakht ab paidaish khudaye, bande chashm didang fanaye, dunia murdar khurdani ghafil hawaye, gaiban haiwan haram kustani murdar bhoraye, dil kabj kabja kadro dojak sajaye, Wali niyamat biradara darbar milak khanaye, jab ajrail bastani tabche kare bidaye. Haval maloom kardang paak allah, bago nanak ardas pes darves bandaha. Casting his light upon the dust, the world entire did he create, the sky, the earth, water and trees, creations of the Lord most great. All that you see will die one day, oh, know this to be true. On carrion does the world subsist, carelessly do you wealth accrue. Like a goblin or a hungry beast, you seek nothing but rotting meat. Control your urges, change your ways, the Lord will just punishment meet. Friends, companions, wishers well, Lofty courts, homes, tracts of land. Gripped when you are by Azrael, none of them will by you stand. The only one who knows your state is Allah, virtuous, pure. O Nanak, seek the holy ones. Nothing but prayer will endure. The emperor raised an eyebrow. This hymn is beautiful. It is exalted. 
How could anyone object to this? The Brahmins and the Kazis muttered darkly. The six were clever. Of the hundreds of hymns in the scripture, they had carefully selected one that was sure to please the emperor. The emperor Akbar was no fool, but he decided to humor the Kazis and the Brahmins. He turned the pages of the book himself and picked a hymn at random. When Pai Gurdas read it out aloud, the emperor beamed. Chandusha was not one to give up so easily. He insisted that Pai Gurdas had not read from the book, but rather had recited an innocuous hymn from memory. He declared that the trial would be fair only if an independent person who could read the Gurmukhi script were summoned. The emperor's patience was wearing thin, but he agreed. Chandusha produced a man named Sahib Dayal who could read Gurmukhi. When the third hymn selected at random was read, the emperor rose to his feet. I find nothing other than devotion and love in this book. It is worthy of reverence. With that, he made an offering of 51 gold coins to the book and conferred robes of honor upon both Baba Buddha and Pai Gurdas and gave them a third one for Guru Arjun. He asked them to convey his respects to Guru Arjun and promised to visit him on his next trip to the Punjab. The meeting was never to take place. Guru Arjun had already created two magnificent and long-lasting institutions that built upon the foundations laid by Guru Nanak, Guru Angad, Guru Amar Das, and Guru Ram Das, the creation of the Harmandar Sahib, and the compilation of the Guru Granth Sahib were both monumental achievements. They were to have a huge impact on the future of the Sikh faith. His work, however, was not over. He was destined to build a third great institution. The first two took a tremendous effort, and their completion was the cause of much joy in the Sikh world. The creation of the third was going to extract a heavy toll. The Story of the Sikhs is written and narrated by Sarpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultar's Mime, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the Sikhs in Delhi in 1984. The Story of the Sikhs is produced by Almast Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avatar Singh. This episode features the recitation of the concluding hymns of the Guru Granth Sahib by Sant Jarnel Singh Bindranwale. The violin recording featured in this episode is by the Indian classical maestro Pravin Chiolikar. The Story of the Sikhs is sponsored by the Chardi Kala Foundation, a nonprofit that helps young Sikhs in the diaspora understand the values of their faith. Serial entrepreneur Dr. Ratinder Paul Singh Ahuja and the Sawney Family Foundation. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are two things you can do to help us reach more listeners. Please subscribe to the podcast and be sure to write a short review.
I'm co-producer and audio engineer Erica Wong. In the final episode of Season 1 of Story of the Sikhs, we will learn about the third great institution that Guru Arjun created that profoundly impacted the character of Sikhs and Sikhism. Thank you for joining us.